This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is The Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hut. Wow. Quite a quite a frenzy in the news cycle right now. If you haven't gotten a chance to read the BuzzFeed published document on Trump. I would uh, recommend that you check it out. I would say definitely, uh, definitely spend some time and take a look at it. This was published by BuzzFeed. Now, BuzzFeed is not a news source that I go to. It's not something that I find. uh, Well, credible isn't even really the right word, although after this most recent incident, I think you could just question its credibility overall. But it's a website that became very uh, what's became very widely read, particularly among younger generations, even younger than graybeard millennials, by gaming or well, by preparing itself for search engine optimization well, and also by putting a lot of cat videos up. Meow. That's what they do. And I've always said this and, and I think history will prove me to be right. If you build your name on cat videos as a news site, there will always be a question mark. There'll always be an asterisk next to your hard published news, you know, your your hard hitting news stories. People are going to say, wait, isn't that the cat site stuff? Don't they have the meow? Yeah, they do. And you, you see, you know, right now uh, on BuzzFeed, this is the site that published it. They have on their main page, for example, a story, How Bitchy Is Your Resting Face? Uh, that's that's the kind of stuff that BuzzFeed publishes. So on the front page of the of the of the website overall, this is not in the page six. It's not. So perhaps we shouldn't be surprised when we and by the way, the story below that is Marco Rubio grills Trump secretary of state nominee over ties to Putin. Now, I know that a lot of sites do the clickbait thing and that there's a, a sort of war ongoing media war for traffic and at different levels and at different times, all sorts of sites fall victim to this stuff. Right. They engage in some form of clickbaiting and they oversell headlines. And the problem is, if you're. A Boy Scout, when it comes to all this, if you have tremendous ethics in your journalism, you're at a disadvantage when compared to those who play the game a little dirty. So but BuzzFeed is one of the most uh, trafficked websites, uh, new, uh, one of the most trafficked websites in the world, actually. I think it's in the top uh, in the top 10. Uh, it's certainly in the top 50. 
And they decided to publish this document that's been out there for a while. There's been sort of rumors about it. There have been people who are mentioning it behind closed doors. And this is a compilation of different unnamed, unverified sources that make completely outrageous claims about the president-elect soon-to-be just a matter of days away, president of the United States. Uh, there are, alleg- interestingly enough, it's not that he has deep business ties, that Trump has deep business ties to Russia, uh, or at least not in a way that he would be compromised by them. The report claims, and I think that there are people named in the report, including the lawyer for the uh, lawyer attached to the Trump campaign. Michael Cohen, I I do think that they have a very strong defamation case against against BuzzFeed. Remember, that's very hard to prove or you have a very high bar, I should say, for defamation claims. But you you can't say that somebody's meeting in a foreign uh, in a foreign country, in a foreign capital with a intelligent with Russian intelligence services to undermine the political opponent that you're up against in an election that's the kind of stuff that you put it out there without any good faith sourcing effort other than, hey, there's this document that we got from some dude somewhere. That becomes a problem. That that becomes an issue. So I wonder if there will be legal action that comes from this. I think it's interesting. A lot of people have gotten to the point where they think the First Amendment protects everything. And then you start to say, really? Uh, so if somebody writes a story about how you attempted to kill your spouse just because they heard somebody said that you you wouldn't want to take legal action of course not right this is there are there are limits to the first amendment and with with good reason it's a high bar but there is a bar nonetheless the report on trump i've written a lot of intelligence reports in my life and that was the main function for those of you who write me still and i i try to give as as much cre- cre- uh, creative constructive helpful advice about careers as i possibly can especially for the young buck or young team, young buck, young team buck members who are thinking about a career in intelligence and maybe want to go work for the CIA or DIA or one of those other agencies out there. I try to tell them understand that it's a lot of a lot of rules and a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of ma- even they go. Oh well, what if I'm a field operative? Field operatives do a ton of paperwork too. A lot of paperwork, and they have tons of rules. Uh, this is there's a lot of deprogramming that has to happen for those who have watched a fair amount of the Bourne Identity movies or James Bond or any of the any of the above. It's really not like that. And I know you all know that, but it's so far from that that it's sort of sometimes tough to get people in the proper frame of mind. Like, well, I'll do a little bit of that, right? I mean, at some point, I will learn that special karate chop that knocks out the sentry just because I hit him in the right place and you know above the clavicle. No. We didn't do a lot of karate chopping either. Um, the, the paramilitary training is basically so, in a worst-case scenario, y- you can defend yourself and are not a liability to those around you who are actual operators and door kickers. If you're somebody who gets deployed into a war zone, you, know, you, you have an understanding of what's going on. You can help out if need be, um, but you're not, you're not kicking indoors yourself. But I digress. A lot of paperwork. I've written a lot of intel reports. One of the biggest things that you have to deal with as an intelligence officer is source verification, validating a source, looking at the information, not just for what it says and looking through the details and trying to see if you can uh, 
verify the, act, the, the, the facts. And But who is this person? Assuming you're getting it from a person, of course, you could also get it through technical means. There's different uh, methods of collection. And this is where you get the various ints, I-N-T, human, human intelligence, sigint, signals intelligence, uh, all, all uh, rumint, which is kind of a joke, which is what we call rumor intelligence or BS. And this report that's out about Trump, to me, reads like rumint. Uh, to me, it reads like the sort of stuff that you would hear from a, a, an asset in the field who heard from a guy who heard from a guy that bin Laden's hiding in his closet. These are reports that do come up in the intel community. Should be noted that there are walk-ins to either law enforcement agencies, intel, uh, will walk into an embassy somewhere and they'll just start to say, hey, I've got the crown jewels. And somebody might sit down with them and say, okay, what have you got? And I said, well, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi is hiding under my bed. You guys have got to come see this. Maybe that doesn't get written up, but some pretty crazy stuff will go into the system because you never know. It is a it is worth pointing out that during the Cold War, some of the very best intelligence we ever got with regard to the Soviet Union, its intentions came from people who walked over to our side, came to some embassy somewhere and said, hey, I'm sick of this Soviet crap. I got stuff to tell you. So you do take these things, I shouldn't say you take them seriously, but you at least evaluate each one as it comes in. I read this report, and all I can think of myself is, you got, you got to be kidding me. I think I have to describe some of what's in it, because otherwise it's a little bit too vague. Uh, there is the allegation that the FSB, Federal Naya Slozba Bezoplaznasti, my Russian's a little off, but close enough, the FSB has compromising information on Donald Trump. The assumption, I would believe, is that this, or anybody would believe, is that this must have to do with financial dealings, his business interests, something along those lines. The reality is much more of the report, not the actual reality that I think happened. I don't buy this. And I, sh I should be noted, and I, I don't like to be somebody that stands around and crows about how I was right and other people wrong. Uh, some people on Team Buck, uh, who are like my extended family, were a little terse with me when I said that I was, I, I did believe that Russia hacked the DNC account on Podesta. I, I tried not to be dismissive of that opinion because, you know, I'm not 100% sure, but I was 99% sure. Uh, and now Trump himself came out in a press conference this morning and said he believes that Russia hacked his emails. Or not, sorry, not his emails, Podesta's emails and the DNC emails. But he, he believes that that happened. So I would, I would hope now to at least not get, and this wasn't from Team Buck people, but when I filled in for Rush a couple, a few times and said, said that I was of the mind that I assessed as well that Russia was involved in this. Got a lot of nasty emails from people. And I'm like, look, I'm not saying it through the election, and I'm not, I'm not allowing the other side to make a big deal out of this, but I do try to follow the facts. So Trump himself says that Russia... He believes that Russia did this. So I, I hope now that means I no longer have to get emails that say I'm a sellout. Why am I part of the problem when it comes to Trump? Why am I bashing Trump? And some people that were trying to do the, I'm going to tell Rush on you. Okay, tell him what? That I'm sharing my opinion. That that's why they let me fill it on the show. <laughs> and I was right, but side note. Uh, now we move on to the document itself and what's said in it. 
Uh, if you got any young ones around, and th- I kind of have to give you a content warning here because there's no way to dance around this. I-, I have to tell you what's in the report because then you'll understand. How could one of the largest websites in the world that fancies itself the future of news and information, that fancies itself to be uh, the New York Times and, and the CNN of the 21st century, right? the left's go-to source of information online. They've also, in the past, said things like there's no two sides of the gay marriage debate. It's a very politicized place, very, a very partisan place. But they do great cat videos, so if you want to check that out, go do it. But I have to tell you what's in the report, because then we can all sit around and look at each other and say, how could any reputable news source run with this? Or forget reputable. How could any major news source run with this? Some some declined. Some declined. And I'm going to get into the under underpinnings of how this could happen, and that's what we're going to be talking about for a, a bit this hour, and then we're going to have some other things going on. But in the report, and this is where the content warning comes in, content warning now, the allegation is that the FSB has video of Donald Trump with more than one, it doesn't specify, Russian prostitutes and is receiving at his request what is called a, again, content warning, what is called a golden shower. This is from the report. So the report claims that our soon-to-be president, that the Russians have video of um, women urinating on him. At that, also that he is paying to do this. This is so outlandish and defamatory and just bizarre. And this is why this report, which as people are saying is tied to some former British intel official, and it's been out there for a while wasn't published, wasn't really, wasn't used by the Hillary Oppo team. And, you know, they'll fight as dirty as they possibly can. They'll go dirty. I mean, Hillary loves to go dirty. But she also knows that a blatant forgery, a la Dan Rather and the National Guard documents that were supposed to throw the election against Bush for Gore, we all remember that, right? That a blatant and obvious forgery would hurt the cause and would help Trump. I think you will see now a line of analysis that this is disinformation on Trump that is in itself disinformation because it so clearly shifts the narrative. This is overreaching. Okay, Russia hacked in the DNC and Podesta. Many of us have thought that for months. Do not believe it changed the election. Even if it did throw the election, guess what? Doesn't matter. There's no redo. There's no clause that if a foreign power releases information unflattering to one side, no matter how they got it, you do you redo the election. So it doesn't actually matter in the sense that there will be some action from it. And it's not the Trump administration's fault, although these documents do claim that it is. That there's That's okay. I've got to go into a break here because there's a lot, lot more to work through. And this is fascinating. I'm sorry that we had to talk about that gross stuff. But this is, I was reading support last night. I was actually hanging out with my brother. I'm reading support. I thought to myself, you got to be kidding me. BuzzFeed printed this crap? We'll be right back. Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network.
individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Team, uh, the Trump, the Trump team has been speaking this morning quite a bit, uh, including dealing with these allegations and and everything else that they're planning to do. They had ran a press conference. Uh, let's just take the response to this report that uh, Trump himself gave. Go. Thank you so much. Thank Appreciate you. A um, couple of aspects of the intelligence briefing that you received on Friday that we're looking for further clarification on. Sure. First of all, did the heads of the intelligence agencies provide you with a two-page summary of these unsubstantiated allegations? And secondly to that, on the broader picture, do you accept their opinion that Vladimir Putin ordered the hack of the DNC and the attempted hack of the RNC? And if you do, how will that color your attempts to build a relationship with a leader who has been accused of committing an act of espionage okay, in the United States. These meetings, as you know, are confidential, classified, so I'm not allowed to talk about what went on in a meeting. Uh, but we had many witnesses in that meeting, many of them with us. And I will say again, I think it's a disgrace that information would be let out. Uh, I saw the information, I read the information outside of that meeting. Uh, it's all fake news. It's phony stuff. It didn't happen. And it was gotten by opponents of ours, as you know, because you reported it, and so did many of the other people. It was a group of opponents that got together, sick people, and they put that crap together. So uh, I will tell you that not within the meeting, but outside of the meeting, uh, somebody released it. Uh, It should never have been, number one, shouldn't have even entered paper but it should never have been released. But I read what was released, and I think it's a disgrace. I think it's an absolute disgrace. As far as hacking, I think it was Russia, but I think we also get hacked by other countries and other people. And uh, I can say that, you know, when, when we she lost 22 million uh, names and everything else that was hacked recently, they didn't make hacks. a big deal out of that. That was something that was extraordinary. Yeah. That was probably China. Uh, we, had, we have much hacking going on. And one of the things we're going to do, we have some of the greatest uh, computer minds anywhere in the world that we've assembled. You saw just a sample of it two weeks ago up here where we had the six top people in the world. They were never in the same room together as a group. And we're going to put those minds together, and we're going to form a defense. And I have to say this also. The Democratic National Committee was totally open to be hacked. They did a very poor job. They could have had hacking defense, which we had. And I will give Reince previous credit, because when Reince saw what was happening in the world and with this country, he went out and went to various firms and ordered a very, very strong hacking defense. And they tried to hack the Republican National Committee, and they were unable to break through. We have to do that for our country. 
It's very important. Just to the last, and sorry, just to the last All right. So you you get you get the idea. Uh, I I don't know I don't know. Uh, we we are at this point now where media will just run with any story that even if it seems defamatory about Trump, they'll just run with it, and then even if they have to do a retraction or they have to change it, it doesn't matter. They hate this guy. They really do. That's nothing new, and I know that's not a statement of particular wisdom or, or astute analysis, but they really hate him. And I just, you know, there are things you read and you think to yourself, oh, that could happen, and there are things you read and you think, no, no way. Trump with a bunch of Russian prostitutes doing what they said he did in there, and the FSB has it on video. And Really? I don't know. It's just... It's just crazy stuff, and uh, I, I don't buy it, so I don't think I think a lot fewer people are going to buy it by the end of today. 888-900-3393. What do you think about this Trump oppo file that was dumped? Let's talk about that and much more coming up. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Team, obviously, we're talking about Russian intelligence services, blackmail, videos, hookers. We need spy time. Agent, you are joining a clandestine meeting in progress. You will now be read into sensitive programs in real time. Do not communicate this information with any other assets in the field. This is spy time. Oh, yeah, you know what that means. John Schindler at 20 Committee on Twitter, national security writer for the New York Observer, observer observer.com for his latest. He joins us now. Mr. Schindler, good to have you, sir. Thanks for para-dropping into the conversation. My pleasure always, Buck. All right, John. I Look, I read this report. I know you read this report. I I don't buy it, but I'm getting the sense. I just checked some tweets that you put out in the break. Or you think that this is legit? Walk me through. Explain to me where you are um, in all this. I don't want to put any yeah, words in this, your mouth. Yeah, this 35-page dossier, which BuzzFeed leaked uh, yesterday, has been floating around D.C. and a lot of Western capitals for months, going back to the fall. I saw much of it a long time ago. It's a weird mishmash of truth, fiction, and a lot of stuff in between. It's basically the equivalent of some very raw, unsubstantiated human intelligence reports of a kind that you and I from our previous life would know. Um, I think it was really not nice of BuzzFeed to leak it in toto. I think a lot of other legitimate news organizations passed on that because they realized they really couldn't verify much of the information in it. What I do think is significant is that a portion of this information, we don't know exactly what, but a a sort of a two-page summary was briefed to the U.S. leadership by the intelligence community, which, as you know, Buck, that's a really weird thing for them to do unless they can corroborate at least some of it. Since this is the source of this, despite what you're hearing on crazy Internet sites, source of this is uh, a private intelligence firm run by a former senior British intelligence official with a lot of experience in Russia. And he's clearly still pulling some of his own human human sources here. 
Um, that that's real providence, and you know it's got some salacious accusations. I don't really want to talk about golden showers. I think you know who, who really cares. I, I think the essence of it is true, meaning that Trump has maintained through intermediaries some relationship with the Kremlin, which he denies. Whether the details are true is a whole other question, and I think some of it is clearly not true. Some of it may be true. So, I mean. What's the yeah. – where do we go from here? I mean, there are well, some parts of this. I mean the whole thing with the, with the prostitutes and the – I gave the details yeah, before, I mean, all that gross yeah. stuff. I just, just know Trump, certain things people would say about him, you know, him grabbing at a Miss Universe contestant somewhere or something. Yeah, I, I, could, I could buy that. Uh, sure. But no, just, just no on some of the, some of the support. <laughs> I'm not buying it. Well, here's the thing. Uh, the, the, the really big allegation here is that Michael Cohen – who is Trump's longtime lawyer, uh, his lead lawyer, had a meeting in Prague late last summer with Russian intelligence officials. Um, that may or may not have happened. It's looking increasingly like it didn't. The Czechs, I have good contacts there. They're being very circumspect. They're not saying it happened. They're indicating we're, we're now getting indications it may have been the wrong Michael Cohen who entered the Czech Republic since Cohen has adamantly insisted he's never set foot in Prague. He has nothing to do with this. Now, he's a lawyer. That's what he'll say. But this thing is either true or it's not, and I'm in increasingly thinking it's not true, which is important because this would be a – forgive me for going back to 2002 – a slam dunk here uh, if Trump's interlocutors were actually meeting to coordinate anti-Hillary ops with Russian intelligence. However, I don't think – this is remotely over. I think a possibility that has to be considered, and I have a column coming out on this today later, is that this is disinformation. This is stuff intentionally being leaked by the Russians to throw reporters off the path, uh, knowing that they will get excited about a possibly false story about a meeting in Prague. They'll definitely get excited about prostitutes and golden showers, and they won't pay attention to the real story. And I'm afraid that's Wait, that so, so you do. This on. is disinformation as disinformation. Right. No, well, the Russians have done this before. I mean, I mean, th that wouldn't surprise me at all. And, then, and I know that BuzzFeed kind of has no standards, and they'll put anything out there, and they have. And this has totally muddied the waters. We're never going to get to the bottom of this now. I, I think what is significant is the president-elect in his press conference just now was absolutely adamant with, through Sean Spicer and himself that the Cohen thing is not true. The Prague meeting didn't happen. He, the president that should be verifiable one way or the other. I mean, that's, there's it no way be. that they can. It certainly should be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that should be resolvable. Although, I, let me put out there if the president elect wants to resolve this, have Mr. Cohen sit down with the FBI right now on the record and explain his side of the story and put an end to it. Just put an end to it, make it go away. Um, the real issue, of course, is tax returns and financial records, which would make, show one way or the other, going back a couple decades, whether Trump has relationships with the Russians or anyone else that he's concealing. The president-elect and his presser just now, within the hour, said he's not going to do that. He said only journalists care about this, so he's not going to release his tax returns. I think that's a pretty serious mistake because otherwise this story is not going to go away. And it may become increasingly absurd, stranger by the day, but th there's a way to make this go away. And the president-elect, unfortunately, is not going to do that. So, so Obama never released his college transcripts, and many right. of us have thought all along – that he didn't release them for two reasons, uh, and I think the second is probably m much more potent or more more uh, powerful than the first. The first is that it would undermine the narrative that he's the greatest genius to have ever held the office of president, right? That's and that wouldn't Correct. look good because the whole thing was he was so much smarter than Bush. He's so brilliant, uh, the the most brilliant man to ever occupy the White House. That was the initial selling point, right? That he's just on an, a different intellectual plane, and if he was a 
B or C student at Occidental in the in the 80s, um, probably he's not Einstein, right? I mean, this is so, and then right. Columbia as well, whatever, whatever. The, but that was secondary thing to the fact that most Americans just didn't really care enough to push for it. I feel like right. the Trump tax returns won't necessarily sink the presidency uh, or because a lot of people would say even if there's some bad stuff in there, they're just not going to care. I mean, how bad would it have to be for the American people to actually care? Um, well, if there is a an illegal relationship with uh, Russian businesses that are less than legitimate, including money laundering, that, that would be a very serious thing. And there's certainly – I'm not saying where there's smoke, there's always fire, but there's enough smoke here that big questions need to be asked. Going back to Obama for just a minute, if I may, about his transcripts from college, which we never saw, and the whole birther controversy, I think Obama's much cleverer than we realized. He wasn't necessarily an A student, but he understood this was catnip to certain people on the far right who would obsess about this for years and invent conspiracy theories to explain actually pretty mundane things. But what were his college rec- records like? He probably was a B student. Is that the end of the world? No, but it got people to focus on that rather than the things Obama was actually doing as president. And this, you no, know, who's the fool here? Uh, is Trump that clever? Maybe he is. Maybe this is all a way to get, a, get us to focus on non-issues when he has other things that you know, he wants to do. I don't know. I, I think a lot of Americans don't care about his tax returns. I, I do, and I think a lot of people who care about our national security do because you know, perhaps that there is something real that he's hiding. I don't know. Until we see them, it's impossible to say. How much leverage, um, how much leverage is a foreign government, for monetary reasons, really going to have over a billionaire who's president. I mean, I'll say one thing. When Michael Bloomberg was running New York City and on policy issues, I, I, you know, sometimes I think he's like a space alien. He's terrible on guns and very nanny state-ish, as we all know. Yeah, no more sure. big sodas. I mean, we, we all get that. But at least he wasn't running around taking paper bags full of cash under the table so that he could uh, either pay off a mistress or you know, money for right. his campaign or whatever. You knew that wasn't happening. How much leverage can Russia really, if they do have this kind of a relationship, John, how much leverage can they really have over a guy who has tons of money and is never going to work a day and never has to work a day in his life anyway? You know what I mean? I just wonder, people seem to think that they're going to convince the Russians could make Trump betray his country. That to me seems too strong, too favorable towards Russia. Maybe we'll go, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt when he shouldn't. Sure. But like Manchurian candidate stuff I'm seeing, that to me seems too much. No, because it's not about espionage, and, th- and that's what's wrong about this. It's about money. Um, we, you know, we still don't know where Trump's money really comes from. There's a lot of speculation, well-informed, that he's a lot less wealthy than he says he is. And this is a man for whom being a multi-billionaire is the essence of his identity. If that's not true, if he's only a one-time billionaire or a high hundreds of millions heir or whatever we're calling it, that's, a vulner- that's an espionage vulnerability right there. I think the reality is this is about money, not espionage, although in Russia it's complicated because – the financial sector is linked up with the intelligence sector in a way that is not true in Western and free and democratic countries. Um, and this gets really messy really quickly. I, I think Russian leverage over Trump may be over some of his past financial dealings, which they know about. And of course, they can threaten him with exposure. And that concerns me almost more than anything. I mean, what, what if this was the warning shot across the bow saying, we know a lot of stuff about you. Throw things our way or else. You know, be nice to Putin, give us a free hand in Ukraine or whatever, or we're going to let the world know the truth about you. That, that's a really scary prospect if it's true, and that's pretty much uncharted territory for the United States if, again, if that's what we're looking at.
not to be conspiratorial, which of course, John, when I say that, it means I'm about to be conspiratorial. But <laughs> if if terrible things about Trump were true, uh, the mechanism, and I feel like a lot of Democrats don't realize this, if, if it was found, whatever they're in the sort of fever swamps of the internet that's said about Trump and Russia is true, and and I know you know you're always making sure that you're adhering to the facts as they come out on this. A lot of people are already you know Trump is Trump sure. has got like a chip in his brain that the Kremlin's controlling. I mean they, they've gone off into never never. And when I mean people, I don't just mean random wackos. Right. I mean, no, Buzzfeed I, put I out this. Same stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah, you see the same oh, it's stuff. Crazy. It's crazy. Um, but but you know looking at this, even if that was true. Okay, if the Congress voted to impeach, you'd have President Pence. It's not, I think right. people have this idea in their heads that if they can discredit Trump and force him out of office, that you know they're just going to sort of march Hillary in on a litter, and you know the Queen will be coronated. That's not how it's going to go. No, I mean the if if Trump goes down over this, and you know he he well could as more comes out. We're going to get President Pence, and if President Pence somehow is wrapped up in this, we'll get President Paul Ryan. Um, so, you know, yeah, by the way, President Pence, no one's going to believe the hookers and the gross stuff. So no way. <laughs> no, I, I, I completely concur. But I'm saying there's no scenario in this that really looks good for the Democrats before 2020, frankly. And I think we need to keep our eye on that. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I think a lot is going to come out here that has yet to come out that we've seen hints of, um, which will uh, create a fuller picture. I don't think we're ever going to know the full picture, but there are a lot of unanswered questions, and we're getting hints of them. And, you know, let's see where it goes. I think this is a, a really wild story, frankly, and, you know, where we're getting a little more every day. And we also have to understand that disinformation is real. The Russians seek to muddy the waters about all kinds of stuff, not just this. And they're doing that today. I mean, you know, I, it's hard for me to tell the difference between WikiLeaks and the Kremlin and some of the alt-right anymore because they all say the exact same things on social media. So, you know, I mean, this, we're, we're living in a, in a rather odd time. And what's your next piece on the Observer and uh, Observer.com is where everyone should go to read it. What are you going to be? I'm assuming you're going to be tackling this. What's uh, the angle? Uh, it is the angle. Did the Prague meeting between Cohen and the Russians happen, or is this just one huge Kremlin provocation to confuse America even more and throw us off the trail? I agree with you, by the way, that this is for for the Trump team because anybody who yeah. is being honest looks at this thing now and says. Wow, they're they're really over. They are, you know, the Democrats always claim that the Republicans are overreaching under under Obama, right? Benghazi, they overreach. Yeah. The IRS scandal, they over. Every everything was always overreach. The FSB has videos of Trump doing really really nasty things that don't exist from on. That is overreaching. <laughs> this is too far, uh, yeah. and it's a useful and tool. The Trump, the Trump, it's a useful tool. Of course, of course, it becomes a great foil, and. It, it, Anytime you, you you know your enemies are are making a mistake like this, don't don't stop them. And that this this used to be common sense, but I'm afraid it's not too common anymore. John Schindler writes for the Observer. Uh, go to observer.com for his latest piece. John, great to have you for Spy Time, sir. Thanks great for calling. Always, in. Buck. Ciao. Team, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Sexton show. John McCain passed this report along? What? You gotta be kidding me. John McCain, this is NewYorkPost.com. I gave Russia blackmail dossier on Trump to FBI. 
So John McCain has admitted that he passed along this this ridiculous report. We just had we just had John Schindler on, who is not shy about criticizing Trump at all. But he's saying, look, you can't you're if you really want to undermine Trump, you definitely don't want to put information out there that's so obviously false because it's sort of a crying wolf situation. It's overreach. It's actual overreach as opposed to the Democrats who say that everything is overreach. Uh, this is just this is crazy. And, and that John McCain would somehow play into this, would, would play a role in this by passing along the information is wow. I'm like, I know John McCain. I know served his country honorably, incredible what he did in Vietnam. I get that. But we are allowed to say as a senator, sometimes he just uh, I think it's an ego thing. He just wants to be the guy that's just so self-righteous he hates trump so much passing along this information a a first year cia analyst who read this report and tried to bring it up in a meeting or something would have been would have been laughed out of the office would have, would have just been laughed at uh completely unsourced and just not not believable not credible as you read it uh but here we are um, we have time to play Reince just a little bit of it. Play the Reince Club. This is what he had to say about it. Reince previous garbage. I'll tell you that. And and I, I you know, look, I was in the briefing, too. And I got to tell you, this salacious stuff, the first I've heard of any of these things was when someone printed off a of BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed themselves said this stuff's not credible. Um, the New York Times announced overnight that they couldn't even publish this stuff because they couldn't verify and they don't believe in it. Here's the thing that people need to understand. This report apparently was written by some retired UK agent who set up shop and is getting paid independently by opposition re someone in a yeah, campaign this is just opposed an oppo, to Trump. An oppo file to with nothing. Some sort of opposition. With nothing. Team the coming Fox up more. Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome back to the Freedom Hut. 888-900-3393. Phone lines are open. Got any thoughts on this Trump stuff? Or do you have any suggested segments? Or anything you want me to do the next time we have a Facebook Live? which I think we're going to do next Tuesday at 3 Eastern. That might become Facebook Live Day. Yay! What's up? I'm sorry. Oh, we have Darby in Texas on the line. Let's take him. Darby, what's up? Hey, Buck. How you doing, my friend? I uh, just wanted to test the right, Trump thing really quick. Um, as a as a, a Southern white male, I, I guess I would be, uh, according to the left, I'd be a typical Trump supporter. Although as a registered nurse, I'm not. You, an you frighten Think Progress editors. They're they're right, actually scared right. of you, Darby. You should be aware right. of that. So yeah, try and, try and not to I make say, any fa any quick hand gestures or anything. <laughs> exactly. But you know, as a as a as a registered nurse, I am not uneducated. I'm also married to a black woman, so I'm not sure that uh, that kind of throws them all up in the air. But I will say, and I think I can speak for the vast majority of Trump supporters on this. 
even if this information were true, which I don't believe that it is, but let's say for argument's sake that it is. And I hate. Well, wait, wait. Which part of it? Which part of it? I mean, without getting whole, too graphic here. Question, the whole prostitution thing. The, uh, the okay, the, okay. Because there's also the his his people meeting with their people. But go ahead. Uh, yeah, and and to be honest, uh, that, and that's actually involved with the whole thing too. But as far as his what he does in his spare time, it's really none of my business. None of anybody else's business either. Not to mention the fact that we all know what Bill Clinton did inside the Oval Office. So I hate to use this phrase because Hillary Clinton ruined it for us, but what difference at this point does it make? So I'll throw it back to you, buddy. Tell me what you think. What, you mean why – what does the left think is going to happen if they can take Trump down? Well, I mean even – I just – I don't think they'll be able to take him down. And even if they do, like you said, Mike Pence is going to be the president. So then what have they yeah, done? Yeah, of course. Nothing. So this is this is why there, there's an element of a of an irrational childish tantrum to a lot of this because exactly. clearly they're not bringing all this information out there for no purpose at all. There's a very uh, concerted effort underway to make Trump an illegitimate president to try to find something that will devastate his presidency and perhaps even shame Republicans into agreeing to remove him from office uh, through impeachment proceedings. I mean, he hasn't even been sworn in yet, and they're trying to do this. What I find, so, look, that would have very that would have very damaging implications for the Republican Party. But Mike Pence, I mean, the one thing about having Mike Pence as your VP is, I want to see the oppo file on Mike Pence. It's going to be like he was five minutes late for church once last year, and I, I heard he. Didn't give his son sprinkles on, you know, on his ice cream Sunday the last time they went to the park together. So, I mean, it's going to be the most fantastically, wonderfully boring oppo file in the history of any politician. Uh, so even if they were able to take the Trump uh, presidency down, it would just be Trump. It wouldn't be control of the House, the Senate or even the presidency. Let's say Pence went. Let's say Pence actually speaks in a Russian accent when no one's around and, and is a GRU operative or an FSB operative. Uh, guess what? Paul Ryan gets to be the president, and look, and the exactly. oppo file on him is going to be that you know he said "gee gosh darn" a few too many times. I mean, so what do they really think they're going to accomplish here? But it's that's a very important point, I think, Darby. It's that they hate Trump. It's not that there's some grand plan. They don't have some strategy to get Hillary back into power because there's there's just no pathway that doesn't exist. Short of a, of a coup, you're not going to have a Democrat as president in the next four years. Not going to happen. So then why is it so obvious that they're trying to just do everything they can, not just to thwart Trump's agenda, but to delegitimize him as president? And I, including at the expense of their own credibility, by the way, people say, oh, look, what Obama and the birther thing. First of all, the birther movement was never mainstream in the Republican Party. And I, I do take Schindler's point uh, John Schindler from last hour. Uh, I, I, I agree with him that Obama realized that this was something that to keep it actually alive as an issue was helpful to him because for most reasonable people, it was uh, it delegitimized the anti Obama policy resistance because oh you're probably one of those racist birther types or something right so and eventually he did release the birth certificate why not do it day one so the trump hatred though is so blinding that organizations like buzzfeed keep in mind the new york times refused to print this thing because they're like we can't verify any of this i mean this would be like if somebody mailed in if somebody mailed in to the wall street journal 
hey, I've got a uh, you know vil- uh, video of Bill Clinton doing all this horrible legal stuff, and it was signed "Super Sketchy Spy Guy," and they printed it. I mean, that's a set. Right. That's more or less what's happened here. And BuzzFeed has done this, and other news sites have all sort of run on. Well, BuzzFeed released it. This is an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment, it me, and it helps Trump. I've, I've formulated a new theory in the in the last couple of months about the political left in this country. It seems to me a collective case of arrested development. They are all, or they all seem to me at least, to just be juvenile. And their only response when they don't get their way is to stomp their feet and whine and cry. And that's basically what they have, and that's all they've got. But I think you're of your excellent point. If the New York Times decides to pass on an opportunity to vilify Trump, that should probably be your indication that it's not such a great idea. Remember, Darby, Shields High, man, great to hear from you in Texas. Thank you for the call. Uh, the New York Times ran, when McCain was running against Obama, ran a an unsourced hit piece on McCain on the front page that alluded to an affair. So the New York Times is willing to is willing to play dirty, but they also realize that if you're going to be an effective partisan, you have to have some credibility, right? This is why most propaganda is based in some or even a majority of fact, but then there are other things added into it, perhaps uh, to, although not always, there are other things that can be added into it to shape perception a certain way. But it's not effective to have propaganda that on its face is obviously fake. Not effective. And if the purpose of it is to bring people to a certain conclusion, efficacy matters. (sighs) But, you know, I think that with a lot of journalists, the problem they're having now is they've really enjoyed being in cheerleader mode for Obama for eight years. And we're going to talk about Obama's last speech, last uh, rhetorical hurrah last night. I watched the whole thing. <sighs> These are the things I do for you, team, it's to stay it's to stay abreast of current events. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute here. But I think that journalists have gotten so used to rooting for Obama, knowing that that's career enhancing knowing that it's virtue signaling that good people root for Obama, that all other journalists are going to have their back, that they can be wrong, that they can be sycophantic, that they can be throne shiners. But as long as it's helping Obama, it will benefit them personally, professionally, and in every sense. Now against Trump, and and also, I should note, they have had a lot of access. I mean, that guy Ezra Klein... He's, a, he's my age, uh, was a blogger, picked up the Washington Post, and we have one-on-one meetings with the president. What? Why? Who listens to Ezra Klein? People, I, I suppose people do. Uh, but they've had tremendous access for the last eight years. That's gone now. They're, they're not going to get the sweetheart meetings set up. They're not going to get the, the backroom uh, heads up so they can get a, a, a lead or they can get an exclusive, there's a new sheriff in town, and they don't like it. And doing opposition research and doing opposition work against that sheriff is going to require them to have to make real arguments and expose what their information is and know that there's going to be pushback, that the apparatus, at least the apparatus of government, is not entirely going to be an echo chamber for them. And I think they're annoyed by this. I believe that they are angry on a professional level as well as on an emotional level because their preferred candidate, Hillary Clinton, lost. So that's influencing.
the decision-making processes here. It's, it's like I, I say to you, there's climate change is one of the very few um, – gosh, so many – I wrote on CNN.com last night. I'm getting so many mean tweets and emails because I said Obama was divisive uh, and has been and always will be, and that's just who he is. And he even said – Obama himself said that one of his regrets in his speech is that he's divisive. And I'm saying, yeah, he's still divisive. He didn't say, you know, I've learned a lesson here or I wish I had – I wish I had done this differently. The only thing he said he wish he had done differently was being less divisive. Okay, well, that's great. But I'm just getting people writing these. Who who writes mean emails to somebody who writes a column that is sort of standard, I mean, sort of, uh, ugh, no sort of, uh, I'm underselling my, my own analysis here, but it wasn't exactly, it wasn't lighting the world on fire. I just gave my quick reaction to, Obama's speech last night, which was boilerplate, pablum, n- not a lot of substance. And it took some annoying cheap shots at the other side, particularly on climate change, which is, I think, the place where Obama feels his legacy as a progressive is weakest. because He wasn't able to get any real legislation through on climate change, only through executive orders that can be undone. You know, EPA, again, new sheriff in town for the EPA. And that agreement, that international agreement is a joke, self-enforcing. This is like telling somebody they're going to be on a diet, but they get to eat whatever they want, and then they get to just guess what they're—they get to tell us what their weight is, and we get to see what the weight loss is. Well, that's not really an effective way of doing it anyway. But if people write all these mean emails. What a loser thing to do. I really don't know how else to say it. Those I've never once in my life, and I'm not somebody who— Studied journalism in journalism school, and everything. although being an intelligence officer is probably better training for journalism than anything else you can possibly do, to be totally frank. Uh, although I'll still be Buck. The idea of writing a mean email or tweet to somebody has just never, it's never even occurred to me to pick a fight with somebody. Not even pick a fight over substance. That I'm okay with. But you just write an email to somebody who's like, you know, you're, you're stupid and you're ugly, you know, or something like that. I just, I get this stuff. Why? Because I think that Obama's divisive. He says he's divisive. This is not, this is not controversial. This is obvious. But, oh, the Obama worship continues on. All right. Uh, 888-900-3393. We'll talk a little bit about the speech last night and more. Team, we'll be right back. The Buck Sexton Show. Discover more at theblaze.com slash radio. The Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to The Buck Sexton Show. Got Tobin in Ohio on the line. Tobin, you're on The Buck Sexton Show. Welcome. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just wanted to know what you think of this. The, 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 his, Donald Trump's need or want to survive, even if it means everybody else has to fail, kind of attitude. Um, I just I worry about his, his, his need to succeed. It seems overwhelming to the point where he does and says things that might hurt America, might hurt the country at large. What do you think of that? Well, I'm sorry. Who who wants to hurt America and the country at large? No, Tobin? no, no. I was just 
I, I was just no. I mean, the country at large. I mean, his Donald Trump has this need to survive, and he he tends to lash out as he did in this interview. The uh, the interview was it yesterday or today, where this interview was this long interview where it didn't seem to go anywhere, and it was actually a bit like my call now. Now that I'm thinking about it, but. But you know what I mean, whereas he, he seems to just want to lash out, and I, I worry about that in an expressive way in his express, when he expresses his form of government. I worry about how that would react with America. Um, okay. Well, sure. no, I, I yeah. worry that it might damage us, that, you know, that his lashing out, that his demanding to succeed at all costs. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm sorry. Tobin? No, fair enough, man. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. And uh, I wanted to give you your say. So there you go. Thanks for calling in. A sponsor this Thank half you. hour is silencershop.com. I was talking about this yesterday. A silencer makes a whole experience of shooting much more enjoyable. It's definitely the way to go if you can get one. And guess what? If you want one, the best place to go is silencershop.com. They have all the latest brands. They've got a fantastic uh, staff that will help you and make sure you work through the process properly and quickly. They submit more forms to get a silencer than anybody else in the country by a huge margin. You know, hunters often go without hearing protection because it's not fun to walk around for hours at a time looking for whatever you're out in the field going after. Uh, it's not fun to have big headphones on. So a silencer from silencershop.com provides hearing protection without being uncomfortable or impacting your outdoor experience. So Check it out, team. Silencershop.com. Again, that is silencershop.com. Help make the world a quieter place. So Obama's speech last night. First of all, uh, a a very annoying moment. Uh, Look, you could expect this kind of stuff. It was really a last. It was the last victory lap for Obama in front of the faithful. He did it in Chicago, which is of interest to me because Chicago is in really bad shape. Uh, But he did it there and. This this is now the, the, the base of his political power. Of course, he's going to live in D.C., isn't, well, at least until the girls finish school, maybe. I guess that's an understandable reason if that's what it is. Uh, but he spoke about these things, and they started chanting, four more years. Play the clip. I can't do that. They're yelling four more years. So you get a sense of it. Uh, And yeah, four more years. That's what they that's what they are hoping for. Um, Obama also gave a lot of the boilerplate you could expect. He's his final. He gave his final. Yes, we can play that, too. I'm asking you to hold fast to that faith written into our founding documents. That idea whispered by slaves and abolitionists, that spirit sung by immigrants and homesteaders and those who marched for justice, that creed reaffirmed by those who planted flags from foreign battlefields to the surface of the moon, a creed at the core of every American whose story is not yet written. Yes, we can. Yes, we did. Yes, we can. Thank you. God bless you. May God continue to bless the United States of America. I am asking. Yeah, so 
That's Obama's version of it. Well, he gave his version of events last night. Talked a bit about some of the uh, successes he believes he's had under his uh, during his time in office. Also spoke a lot about how the world is changing. I, I checked the change. I think was used over twenty times in the speech. No surprise there. Uh, not a lot that was said that was of interest. The parts about climate change, I found to be just deeply uh, condescending and and really disingenuous to the other side. This is not a president that at any point in time made a meaningful gesture to the other side of the aisle. This is not a president who at any point in time was willing to be generous to his political opponents or or even uh, open-minded to them. He had his ideas on all matter of policy issues, and he was a hardliner on them uh, to the degree that he even popularized the notion that Congress won't do something, so the president should. Really dangerous, anti-constitutional, anti-separation of powers stuff from the commander-in-chief. That is a, a an essential, that is a central part of Obama's legacy. So as we look at all this stuff, as we look at what's going on uh, right now, now as he's ready to leave office, you can see that the fights already over his legacy are underway. And the most interesting legacy from my perspective that Obama leaves is that his hyperpartisan attitude towards the other side has resulted in what will be an absolute reckoning for the Democrats. Uh, Assuming Trump goes ahead with what he plans to do and the Republicans hold the line, they're going to be sitting on the other side of the table now and just the elimination of the filibuster for example there are so many things where democrats were warned wait until the shoes on the other foot well now it is and obama played a big role in hardening those polarizations more coming the bug sexton show on the blaze radio network Radio Network. I, I wanted to play this for you guys. I know we talked about in the last hour the Trump press conference from this morning. There's a great exchange, though, between Trump and, and CNN. Now, CNN uh, reported that the intel chiefs told Trump about this rumor intelligence report that was out there, this rumint, uh, unsubstantiated, unverified information. Uh, also, the initial uh, fact-checking of it has run into some very big problems. Uh, Michael Cohen uh, was in, this has been verified by some USC officials when they, when he was supposed to be in Prague. It's not believed he was in California visiting USC with his son. Uh, it is not the case that he was in Prague and they're thinking it was another Michael Cohen who may have been in Prague. It's the whole thing's falling apart really fast. And that Intel chiefs may have brought this to Trump's attention is not verification of it as a report. It's not saying this is it's not saying this is real stuff. You got to know about this. And maybe it may very well have been a conversation, although I'm also seeing people say that this was never briefed to him. But we'll we'll find out or hopefully we'll find out. Uh, there's also information out there 
that, uh, or rather, this, this also could be just letting him know that this is out there. So FYI, President-elect, there's this smear campaign, this disinformation that's currently out there. And, yeah, uh, you should be aware of it. That's all. Doesn't mean that it's real. Uh, see, look, the report, the Intel community report did a whole thing on Russia Today. It's not that Russia Today is some kind of national security threat or something. They're just letting people know, look, there's this Kremlin-funded uh, cable news outfit that's running Russian propaganda, FYI. So there, there's a lot of stuff that they cover. Intelligence community has a whole open source has whole open source centers. All they do, they they actually pay people to go through newspapers and figure out what's already out there and whether that has an impact on intelligence and intelligence assessments around the world. But Trump really was putting on a show this morning in the press conference, and uh, Jim Acosta, who's one of the CNN political reporters, uh, he he really had a had quite a feisty back and forth with Trump. I want to play it for you. Let it rip, please. Brings his passport to my office. I say, hey, wait a minute, he didn't leave the country. He wasn't out of the country. They had Michael Cohn of the Trump Organization was in Prague. It turned out to be a different Michael Cohn. It's a disgrace what took place. It's a disgrace. And I think they ought to apologize to start with Michael Cohn. Since you're attacking us, can you give us a question? Since you're, no, That's Mr. President elect. Go ahead. Mr. President elect, since, since you are attacking, us. attacking no, our news not organization, you, not can you. you give us a chance? Your organization you are attacking our news organization. Can you give us a chance to ask a question, sir? Go ahead. Sir, can Quiet. you state, can, Mr. President elect, go ahead. Can you state categorically? Question. Mr. President elect, can you give us a question? Don't be you're rude. attacking us. Can you give us a question? Don't be rude. Can you give us a question? I'm not going to give you a question. That nobody, no, Mr. President elect, that's not appropriate. President Obama went too far with the sanctions he put on Russia after the hacking. Do you think they're disproportionate? I don't think went too far. And what, no. Will you roll them back? No. And what do you think of Lindsey Graham? I don't say. He calls he calls CNN fake news. Uh, let him have it. Let him have it at the press conference. Like I said, this does play. If you're somebody who's really anti-Trump, this whole thing really does play into Trump's hands because this is just indefensible. That that BuzzFeed and other. Other news sources kind of went off the BuzzFeed release of this as though that somehow gave it credibility. It just goes to show you there there is a it's a Trump derangement syndrome. I mean, it's the Trump scare. It's anything to take this guy down is what we're going to do, including releasing a report that made for entertaining reading in some parts. I mean, in terms of how creative it was and and weird and crazy is some of it read like bad spy novel stuff. It's 35 pages long, and it's out there. So I just, yeah, that, that back and forth. It's going to be a very interesting, very interesting few years here with uh, President Trump. That much I can promise you. Uh, 888-900-3393. Rex Tillerson is uh, in front of the Senate doing hearings today, or there's a hearing today with Rex Tillerson. We're going to hit that and much more coming up. Team, I'll be right back. Buck Sexton. Dispensing the truth on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. 
Team, we're joined now by Heather Wilhelm. She is a National Review columnist and a senior contributor for The Federalist. You can go to her site, heatherwilhelm.com. Heather, happy new year. Great to have you. First time in the Freedom Hut 2017. Absolutely. How are you doing, Buck? I'm good, thank you. All right, I want to give you the I want to give you the floor. What's what's uh, of interest to you today with this whole Trump situation, or do you have non-Trump things on your mind? <laughs> I had kind of a hilarious morning because I was uh, sitting in line to register my son for daycare, which is a crazy situation. The first person gets the first choice, so imagine a bunch of frantic moms lining up, and I was surreptitiously watching Trump's press conference while in line, <laughs> which was a little awkward. Um, talk about fireworks, right? I think everyone expected it to be pretty exciting, and it certainly delivered. Um, you know, the, this whole thing uh, with BuzzFeed, CNN, uh, I expect it to continue on, to unfold over the next couple of days, but man, what a mess, right? giant mess uh yeah. r- ridiculous stuff going on here i'm i'm not somebody who who has ever been a a a fan a reader or or had much respect for what goes on from a news sense at least over at buzzfeed they do have fun listicles and the cat videos are great and if i <laughs> if i want you know if i if i want to see a listicle that shows all the different ways that like hipster facial hair can be you know trimmed and cut and all that buzzfeed certainly has its uses but to run with an unsourced account like this, that's so salacious and that's so uh, I mean, this is like people call me sometimes. This has happened and I get tips about news stories or I'll get an email about a news story. And it's amazing stuff right? in terms of how just you usually either how gross or how uh, insidious or whatever. But I'm like, I can't. This is some crazy person that's that's calling him with this tip. I can't use this on air. BuzzFeed kind of went with it, and that just should be, uh, I, I think, a, a lesson maybe to much of the rest of the media that just hating Trump isn't an excuse to do anything. I don't know. Well, it's been interesting, too, to see now that uh, even CNN is pretty irritated with BuzzFeed, right? Because I think uh, it's interesting. You're right. What BuzzFeed did was incredibly irresponsible. And then you think about what that does to the standards of journalism, right? I mean, what can't you publish, right? Um, we're going to leave it up to our readers to decide whether, you know, there's a secret military base behind Mount Rushmore that's funded by, you know, you, it, it, this just blows any sort of reasonable journalistic standards out of the water. So there's that. Uh, but then also, I think this is interesting because, and you've seen this since, you know, Trump's election. These people who are just unhinged about Trump, you know, they're freaking out about every little thing. Um, You know, if he goes after Vanity Fair magazine, it's the end of the press, right? We're going to lock up all journalists. Uh, And what I've been saying, you know, look, it's really important for the press to hold the president accountable. But we're just watching these outlets blow themselves up one by one. Who's going to take them seriously when there actually is an issue, right? So um, I think it'll be interesting to see how this plays out for BuzzFeed. But I think it's also, I mean, no wonder people don't trust the media, right? It's, it's all becoming a bunch of noise. What else have you got on your mind for the incoming administration right now? Are, are you optimistic about Trump's promise today that he will repeal and almost immediately replace Obamacare, of course, with the Congress. But I'm just saying that that's the plan. Well, I, I, I think that would be marvelous if it happens. You know, uh, we'll, we'll see. You know, I think the, the Republicans have a huge responsibility here. Um, and I, I really hope that they can pull it off and get some more free market reforms 
Um, I've I've been reading some coverage of uh, real people and and dealing with Obamacare, and it's just a disaster. Uh, so that would be a great thing. Uh, you know, in the meantime, you know, I, I, my piece today for National Review, uh, we're bracing for this Women's March on, March on Washington, which is going to happen uh, the day after. It's going to be happen on the 21st. And <laughs> oh, tell me, tell me day, about this. I, I don't I don't know about this. Oh, oh, it's going to be woman. Woman, explain to me for a minute, please. <laughs> so, uh, a couple of uh, women on on Facebook found each other after Trump's election and said, "You know what? We need to stand up for this. This is a disgrace. We need to re- we need to speak out as women. We're going to march on Washington, and uh, it has turned into a complete left wing train wreck." Uh, it, basically, there's going to be a march on Washington. It's supposedly going to be done by women. Uh, according to their Facebook page, there's going to be around, I think, 175,000 people there. We'll see if that plays out. Celebrities are descending upon it. Scarlett Johansson's going to be there. Even Cher's going to be there, which should be entertaining. But if you actually look into it, A, it's very, very vague what their actual goals are. It seems to be, you know, usually your usual left-wing laundry list. Uh, but there was an interesting piece in the New York Times this week talking about how it's just devolving into a circular firing squad because they're all, it, basically it's a fight over who is the most oppressed of this group. Uh, it's, it's amazing to see. So people are fighting as to, you know, whether white women should be allowed to even speak at all because 53% of white women voted for Donald Trump, who's more oppressed than whom. Uh, it, it's, it's really kind of a microcosm, I think, of the greater problems within the left, you know, who are, it's a movement very obsessed with identity politics. And it seems that they haven't quite learned the lessons that should have come by seeing Hillary Clinton lose to Donald Trump. And so this march is going to occur. Any expectations that you have for the inauguration? Lots of protests, lots of uh, lots of uh, shenanigans, you think, from the left in D.C.? Or what's <laughs> what's the latest on that front? I think we can expect lots of shenanigans. You know, it'll be very interesting to see how this women's march uh, plays out. I'm sure it's going to get a lot of glowing press. Um, and I'm sure that the reality on the ground is going to be pretty dysfunctional. Um, you know, I kind of laughed. That I, apparently we were promised smooth sensuality with the Trump inauguration. Did you see that from one of his spokespeople? No, I did not, not but, <laughs> but do tell. Where, where, how does that happen? I, I'm not quite sure what that means, but they said it's going to be a very elegant affair with, quote, smooth sensuality. So I, I look forward to that, too. I, I have no idea what that means. Is that, is that, that sounds like, like how you describe things on the Easy Listening Jazz Channel, you know? <laughs> and now sit back while the saxophone covers you in smooth sensuality, you know? That's, that would work. <laughs> I saw a tweet saying, I well, I hope this means that Barry White's going to be singing, you know, the national anthem. Yeah. But unfortunately for all of us, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know if you're a Ron Swanson fan, but when he's Duke Silver, he invites all the ladies in the room when he's performing saxophone to slip into a warm bath of his jazz. So maybe there'll be some of that <laughs> at the inauguration. Do you like jazz, by the way? Absolutely. Yeah, we, we, this is this is the on the fly section of, of the of the interview here, Heather, where I just start asking you random questions. Uh, do you I, like action movies? Um, I like I, I like spy movies a lot. Um, I can I, I can sit through an action movie. I'm also a big Barry White fan. I, I love Barry White uh, and I like screwball comedies. I'm not a big fan of romantic comedies. Generally, I went back and watched. Do you remember that movie Notting Hill? 
with Julia Roberts no, and Hugh Grant. I, I can say, after yesterday admitting that I like The Devil Wears Prada, I'm very proud today to tell my audience that I do not like, or have not seen, I should say, Notting Hill. <laughs> well, I was, I don't know. I got, I I got some heat for that one, by the way. I'm just saying, Meryl Streep gave a good performance, everybody. Let's be honest about it. Oh, she, that movie was fabulous. I'm going to stand by you and support you. <laughs> See? And, Heather and says and it was fabulous, everybody. Absolutely. When she sort of gives that icy look and dismisses her assistant and says, that's all. I mean, I want to start doing that in real life, right? What a great move. Um, oh, but- I, I've had, I had some internships, including at CBS Evening News, where people treated me so badly. I was like, wow, is, is being, is being uh, treated in a subhuman form really a necessary part of my professional <laughs> training? I suppose the answer was yes, because that's what I received. I, this is a true story. I once had a boss who my my office was conjoined to hers, and she would throw things like staplers and scissors and things out the window. If she was on the phone and needed my attention, she would throw large objects out of the door to get my attention so I would come scurrying into her office. It was amazing. Um, I once uh, We had a protocol at, at, at CBS Evening News when I was an intern there that you had to, if somebody was on the phone, and I had, you know, as as an intern, I would you'd walk up and you would just put a piece of paper if there was a need for them on the desk in front of them, like you'd write a little note out. And I remember I did that exactly as instructed. You weren't supposed to tap them or anything; you're supposed to put it on their desk. And this guy, who was just he was a writer in the newsroom, put his call on hold to turn around and scream at the. I don't even remember what he said because his he was so red faced, just screaming at me in front of the entire packed newsroom. I remember looking at him being like. I mean, you can fire me, but I'm, I'm here for free and I'm in high school. So <laughs> that's, you know, like that's on you. Like, I don't know what you want me to say, but yeah, it's rough, now, rough see, times. If, if he had been Meryl Streep and the Devil Wears Prada, he just would have delivered some icy, cool line that would have, you know, frozen your soul. Right. Exactly. No need for yelling. Yeah, it wasn't even it wasn't even Dan Rather, who, by the way, this was my, my introduction to uh, broadcast news was to see this guy show up every day at 3.30, spend more time in hair and makeup than he did reading through the script that was written for him, that he would sit in a chair for a total of 20 minutes and or 18 minutes, something like that, for a half-hour show and read and get paid $7 million a year. I was like, how do you get that job? I want that job. It's nice work if you can get it. It is definitely nice work. What's your next piece going to be, Heather? we got about 20 seconds. Next piece. Ooh, I'm going to watch and wait. There's ne- this next week is not going to be boring. So as Donald Trump would say, I'll keep you in suspense. Fantastic. Heather Wilhelm, everybody, National Review columnist, senior contributor for The Federalist. Go to heatherwilhelm.com. Heather, thank you so much. Happy 2017. Thank you. You too. Team Hour 3 coming up. Listening to Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is the Buck Sexton Show. 
Team Buck, welcome back to the Freedom Hut. Great to have you here as always. It's hour three. Let's get into a Buck Brief. Hello. You are entering there we the go. Threat Ops Center. This is a secure space. All outside comms are down. Prepare to receive the Buck Brief. Team, our friend Adam Crato, senior writer for the Washington Free Beacon, joins us now with all the latest in the national security world. Adam, great to have you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Let's start with this one on FreeBeacon.com. Iran demands compensation for U.S. breach of nuke deal. What is going on here? Well, this has been brewing for quite some time. Last year, uh, late last year, Congress passed a renewal, not new sanctions, but a renewal of uh, the Iran Sanctions Act. And that's going to be on there for another 10 years. And rightfully so. Iran is still a bad actor in terms of terrorism, illicit finance, things of this nature. Uh, the Iranians consider this a breach of the nuclear accord. They claim that Secretary of State Kerry gave them a word that uh, we would not pass any new sanctions as part of the nuclear agreement. They're very angry about this. They've already reacted by uh, doing more work into nuclear-powered submarines, all of this kind of contested research and development that they're not really supposed to do. And now they claim the U.S. owes them even more uh, due to this breach. And mind you, we've already given them over $10 billion in terms of cash, gold, other assets. So they want more, 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 more. And also the U.S. surrendered, another piece in freebeacon.com, the U.S. surrendered more than $10 billion in gold, cash, and assets. How did this happen? Well, this was all part of the deal. The Obama administration would not deny that they uh, gave Iran billions and billions in assets relief in cash. Uh, you'll remember the pallets of cash, that $1.7 billion. Also uh, gold and other uh, uh, precious metals, things of this nature. But the White House has been actually deflating the number. Uh, they claim it's not nearly as much as the Iranians say. Now, look, uh, the Iranians put out a lot of disinformation. But on these things, they have a history of being correct. Uh, they admitted the $1.7 billion in cash well before the U.S. was ever forced to admit it. And they only uh, came clean after reporters discovered the truth. So on, on this, I actually take the Iranians at their word. They call $10 billion a stingy estimate. Uh, some have speculated it's upwards of $30 billion and very well could be. And who is the National Security Advisor's security clearance that Congress is probing the FBI over? Uh, Obama National Security Advisor's security clearance. What happened here? It's also on freebeacon.com. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Uh, I was able to scoop this last week. Apparently, uh, a number of lawmakers are looking into Ben Rhodes, uh, one of the president's top national security advisors, the architect of that uh, self-described pro-Iran echo chamber that was the media blitz meant to mislead not just Congress but the American people about the terms of the Iran nuclear agreement and what it actually did. Uh, it's come to light that Rhodes may have failed a FBI background check in 2008 during the Obama transition, and uh, he was only one of several hundred who faced this kind of status. And lawmakers are trying to figure out why. What was it in his background that would have raised a red flag? Now, since then, Rhodes, of course, got all the relevant security clearances that are befitting someone in his position in the White House. But um, it, it would be very, very interesting to find out what it is in his background. There are only a few reasons that one has declined 
uh, interim security status that would be questionable foreign ties, such as maybe ties to Iran. That would be a criminal history, a history of drug use, uh, major things of this nature. But uh, the White House isn't really talking about it. They uh, keep telling me they have no comment on the matter. But uh, Congress, I guess, for the uh, you know next 10, 15 days are going to continue to probe it. What do you think? We've been talking about a lot today, but I feel like as somebody who covers national security, you've got to have a, a whole bunch of thoughts on the 35-page Trump oppo dossier that BuzzFeed published and other news sites added to or, or went along with. Uh, what, what's your reaction to that whole situation? You know, um, I find it fascinating. It's a really fascinated read, and in some respects it's almost like uh, – uh, you know, like Penthouse Forum, you know, dear Penthouse, look what happened to me. Um, I don't know how true it is, though. I, I think that there's a lot of evidence that it is not true. It seems that this was handed to Senator McCain by a former uh, British uh, Secret Service agent. And the question is, where did the oppo come from? Uh, uh, we have to question intelligence. Intelligence is not always accurate, and often intelligence is intentionally skewed, as we've seen in the past, to um, it just put out a lot of rumors and innuendo about people. So I, at this point, I see no reason to believe any of it's true, but it's certainly very fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I read it. I said this isn't real, but wow, this makes for <laughs> quite uh, quite interesting reading. I'm telling you, it's uh, it's uh, Penthouse Forum right there. That's it's got a lot of sexy stuff in there. Also, uh, Taiwan has scrambled some jets and uh, naval vessels as a Chinese aircraft carrier has entered the Taiwan Strait. Some saber-rattling here, nothing really new from China, although I guess this maybe is a little bit more closely tied to the phone call to the Taiwanese premier that Donald Trump made. Are you expecting China to test the administration very soon after it takes office? Yeah, I actually am, and and you're right. Um, this is, in some respects, more the same in terms of saber-rattling, but I expect to see more of this uh, from China, uh, really, one, to test U.S. resolve, and two, to test uh, just how much we care about our alliances. I think they've known under the Obama administration that it's very easy to uh, get the administration that's currently in the White House to abandon our allies to not take strong reaction when things like this happen. And I think this is, um, in some respects, a test to see if Trump will reverse that type of perception. And also, I think this is a little um, a flexing of the muscle by China, sending a message that, hey, look, guys, uh, we've got the uh, necessary ammunition and weapons to really make some trouble. So why don't you come at us? Adam Credo is a senior writer for the Washington Free Beacon. Adam, uh, anything you're working on we can expect? Well, uh, I just broke a story um, uh, right before, actually, I got on the phone with you. Uh, this is a delegation of over 100 members of Congress. They just wrote a letter to Trump. I got a copy of it and uh, published it up on freebeacon.com. They're essentially saying, we support you 100% in your call to move the U.S. Embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, and we want you to do it right when you get into office. So uh, I think we've been seeing this issue brew for a little bit, but uh, it's looking more and more to me like it's going to become a reality which will be very interesting regionally wow you think the trump administration is going to do it yeah i do i actually do uh maybe a week week and a half ago i would i would have told you no it's too much trouble it's uh you know you can spark an intifada you could cause a lot of uh damage with relations but i think that 
the equation here, the calculation is that relationship with Israel is at such an all-time low. Israel is being attacked internationally. It's being attacked behind the scenes by the Obama administration, which really worked to forward this latest um, anti-Israel United Nations action. And I think he can send a very, very strong message. Uh, Israel, we're coming in to recalibrate the relationship. You are our closest ally in the Middle East. You are the only democracy. And when you say Jerusalem is your eternal, undivided capital, we agree with that and we respect you for that. All right. Adam Credo of the Free Beacon, great to have you, sir. Thank you for joining. Always my pleasure, buddy. That's the Buck Brief for today. Close it out, please. You are leaving a secure space. Cell phones may be turned on. Disavow all knowledge of this meeting. Remember to protect sources and methods. Maintain good OPSEC at all times. 888-900-3393. Team, if you want to call in on the phone line, please do. On the lines, they are open. Love to chat with you. We'll be right back with more. Stay with me. Buck Sexton. The Blaze Radio Network. So, team, when I wrote for CNN.com uh, last night, just a sort of a, a quick hot take on the Obama, uh, you know, the Obama farewell speech here. Um, what, what was I'm trying to find the 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 line that I, the specific line that I used. Uh, even the president himself quipped that he planned to make it a little shorter than other speeches, um, but wasn't short enough. That's that, that was my take on it. Uh, the latest that I see all this, I didn't get a chance to crunch the numbers because you know, I was doing other things. Obama's speech was 22 minutes longer, over 22 minutes longer than the closest farewell address. Uh, to give, give you an idea, I mean, this guy is just obsessed with, with hearing his own voice it, to the very end. To the very end, never changes. Uh, Barack Obama, oh, sorry, uh, let me give you a few here. Dwight Eisenhower's farewell speech, f- 15 minutes long. Jimmy Carter, 16 minutes long. Ronald Reagan, 20 minutes long. Uh, George uh, H.W. Uh, Bush, 27. A little long there, H.W., but okay. Spoke slowly. Bill Clinton, 7 minutes long. George W. Bush, 13 minutes long. Barack Obama's almost 50 minutes in length. Wait, do we really need a fifty another, another hour of Obama lecturing the country? Uh, that's what we needed last night. <laughs> I mean, I, I gotta give I gotta give Bill Clinton credit. Seven minutes, seven minutes. I guess by the end of his second term, he was just like, "Get me out of here! I can't. I don't want to do this anymore. I, I want to be free to be sketchy. I don't want to do this." Uh, and George W. Bush, thirteen minutes. He want, he wanted to get out of there too. Obama wanted to bask in the glow and the glory of his assembled uh, supporters and surrogates and friends and all the rest of it. So there was that last night. I watched it. Man, it was boring. Uh, what else do we have here for you? Yes, indeed, Clock Boy. You remember Clock Boy, right? Ahmed Mohammed. He showed up in school with a clock that was 
made to look like a bomb in a briefcase, and he was being cagey about it and showed it to teachers one after another because that's what a 15-year-old would do, do a show. I mean, if he was five, I understand a sort of strange show-and-tell, you know, Look, like uh, I found this at home. It's a it's an ice cream scooper. You know, and the teacher has to go. That's very nice, Bobby. You know, go home. Uh, he's fifteen, all right, and he's showing this briefcase that it, it did look like a bomb. Especially if you're not somebody who knows what a bomb really looks like, kind of looks like a bomb. And he it became his whole thing of oh, Islamophobia. It's so bad. The Islamophobia is terrible. We're so racist as a country because when a kid who's Muslim shows up showing something that looks like a bomb to people, what's uh, just imagine for a second he showed up with something that looked at all that, that looked like a gun, like a a replica of a handgun, and was showing it to teachers, and a teacher called the police. But then he'd be like, "Oh my God, the country's so racist!" But because he's a Muslim and it's a bomb, oh, it must be it must be there's uh, racism afoot here. Not that this guy was doing this perhaps on the direction of his father, who's something of a provocateur and has a history of drawing attention to himself. Uh, Anyway, he, and for full disclosure, of course, he sued Glenn Beck, so my boss and and his company. Uh, He sued Fox News. He sued the mayor of Irving, Texas. All of them for defamation. Well, I come here to bring you good news, my friends. A district court judge in Texas has dismissed this defamation lawsuit uh, entirely. I think it is actually dismissed. Oh, yeah. After spending a painfully embarrassing 15 minutes flipping through reams of paper, Muhammad's lawyer was unable to provide any evidence that anyone had said anything false or defamatory about, uh, about this young man during the broadcasts. And there was nothing. Um, so there you have it. There you go. They had nothing. I remember seeing the tweets about this. People were so up in arms. Oh, how could anyone think that a young Muslim man with something that looks like a bomb is a cause for concern? Uh, this is this is completely, completely in that narrative of how social justice warriors look for. They look for these cases. They run with them. And then when they fall apart, they never return to the story. They never circle back to correct the originally either exaggerated or just outright false reporting um, that Barack Obama tweeted at this kid, cool clock and invited him to the white house. I mean, he's suing people for defamation. He was offered a scholarship to go to any school he wanted. I think he ended up going to what he's going to go to Dubai for a while or something, but he ended up getting a scholarship. He became a celebrated figure on the left. By the way, he did not build a clock. He pulled the clock apart to make it look like a bomb. He built nothing. I mean, this kid didn't build anything. He's not some genius. You had Google. Oh, my gosh, the pandering here. You know, it's, he's amazing. He's an engineer of the future. This is what we need. I can smash a clock into pieces, too, and I'm crap with electronics and technology. So you know, this, this kid's probably as good as I am with all that stuff. Um, I might even be better. I managed to successfully install a printer recently on my own. Very exciting stuff. But this uh, defamation lawsuit has has been thrown out and and good. It should have been. And this is a district court judge in Texas doing the right thing. And once again, we see that the the narrative of Islamophobia is one of the left's favorites. They'll they'll go with it even on the flimsiest pretext, the flimsiest evidence they possibly can. And I'm just glad that uh, this is this is not going to turn into an even bigger win. This kid 
got so much benefit out of this whole thing that he's suing people for defamation. He's being invited to the White House. This reminds me of uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Those of you who are Seinfeld watchers did this whole bit on the soup Nazi. And I went, there was a soup place with a sort of gruff proprietor. And of course his business was booming and I was a kid and I had some friends and we went all the way to the soup Nazi to get the soup. And it was good. The soup was good. It's like the best soup I've ever had, but it was pretty good. And that guy who had so much business that he could barely handle it and he had line down the block for his soup ended up suing Jerry Seinfeld for defamation. I don't even I don't know if he won or not, but I think he definitely tried. He sued he sued the Seinfeld show creators uh, because he said that they had defamed his character with the soup Nazi line. Uh, Couldn't take a joke. Couldn't take a joke. And. Didn't like the fact that his business was booming. Now, I'm sure there are people harassing him, too. And This is before the days of, of selfies and ubiquitous cameras on phones and all the rest of that. Uh, but uh, this, is, this has got to be factored into these circumstances. When someone's going to claim that there are damages because of things that public figures have said about them, you'd think that there would have to actually be a negative impact, not a positive impact. You, you should, it shouldn't be... That you become a you know you become an overnight millionaire because someone said something about you and then you get to sue them for, for defamation too unless it's demonstrably false which is the bar for defamation I do think that BuzzFeed might have a problem here, bringing this all together, I think the publishing of that information could open them up to a lawsuit I would think that if I'm Michael Cohen I'm thinking about suing for sure, if somebody claimed that I was in cahoots with Russian intelligence to undermine the U.S. election based on no real evidence, no verifiable evidence whatsoever. In fact, evidence that others thought was too flimsy to print. Uh, I would I would probably want to litigate that. And I'm not a particularly litigious fellow. I, I try to stay stay away from that stuff. But this w- that, that's an example that I think goes too far. The clock boy lost in court. He won in the court of public opinion, at least on the left, in the sense that he became this celebrated figure. But it does make me stop and think for a second. When do we get to talk about how bombs and young Muslim men, there's too much of an association going on here. There's a, there, there is something going on there, right? We all know this. You know, Allahu Akbar, suicide vest, all that stuff that's happening all over the world. Is that Do we get to have that conversation or we just get to pretend that Bomb, young Muslim man, those two things going together in any capacity. It's just racist to even talk about why that association would exist in the public's mind. This is yet another thing you can point to for hashtag why Trump won. Meryl Streep speech, hashtag why Trump won. Clockboy and how he's a national hero, hashtag why Trump won. There's a lot of this stuff out there. All right, I said we'd talk about Rex Tillerson. That's going on in front of the Senate. We'll get back to that right after this break. Stay with me. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Tim, we're joined now by Tom Rogan. He is a writer for National Review and a panelist uh, as well on the McLaughlin Group. Thank you for joining, Tom. Great to have you. What's up? 
Good to be with you, Buck. Thanks for having me on. All right. Rex Tillerson, former ExxonMobil CEO, and some very interesting exchanges today on Capitol Hill with the Senate, uh, including one with Marco Rubio. We're going to play some audio and dig into this together, Tom. First, here's Rubio v. Tillerson. Hit it. But I am not willing to make conclusions on what is only publicly available or have been publicly reported. None of this is classified, Mr. Tillerson. These people are dead. Uh, political opponents are your dead. Question was, your question was people who were directly responsible for that. I'm no. not disputing these people are dead. As goes on to quite some length here, Rubio then talks about how Putin is, a, or asks rather whether Tillerson will say that Putin is a war criminal. Tillerson says that he's withholding judgment on that until he sees more information. It was very testy between Rubio, who's a Republican, and Tillerson, who's Trump's nominee for Secretary of State. Is this just uh, scoring some points for Rubio, I think, Tom? Or is, is there some real concern here over Tillerson's approach to Russia? I think what you're seeing here is Rubio trying to put himself in a position of being uh, the the sort of counter-Trump on the Republican side if uh, something more tangible comes out vis-a-vis Trump's relationship with the Russians in a nefarious way. Uh, but I also think that there is a real functional difference of opinion uh, between Team Trump and the Republican majority in the Senate. Uh, and I think that comes down to uh, what Trump has said about Russia, but also more particularly about, in the case of Rex Tillerson, some Republicans believing that, look, this is someone who is just too close to the Russians for comfort. And so there's this philosophical divide that I think is very genuine on both, you know, from both parts. And I don't think it's going to get addressed. I think this is this what we're seeing here is the beginning of something uh, rather than, you know, something that will go away after the confirmation. And what's your assessment of Tillerson and Putin and Russia? Do you think that there really is there there, there should be concerns that he's going to be too cozy with the Kremlin? Is is that something that's overblown in your mind? I mean, I, I kind of wanted to get your full assessment of where you stand. Yeah, well, so I listened to you and uh, John Schindler uh, talking earlier, and, and you know, I, I thought it was great. But one of the things I might disagree with you slightly on, Buck, is that I think this stuff to do with the, yes, we know from this report that there are clearly things that are materially wrong. Um, but I also think if you consider that the, the source for this is supposedly a reliable former British intelligence officer, the British are already concerned about their relationship with the Trump administration, the British government. And I suspect that if they really thought there was totally nothing to it, to this, uh, that at least some of that material was not true, the British would have put a lot more pressure uh, on this former officer. Can you speak into the phone, Tom? We're kind of losing. I don't know if you're on speaker or something, but it sounds like you're, you're, right, you're that, calling in better? from 50,000 leagues under the sea or 30,000, whatever, 20,000, however many leagues it is. Go ahead. Yeah. So um, the, the point I'm making is that because the intelligence officer, former intelligence officer, was responsible for that uh, dossier uh, is, you know, supposedly credible. At least the USIC have found that. And I tend to think that the British government, because of his essential allegiance to the British government, would have put a lot more pressure on him or at least come out and disavowed him uh, if there was not something in there that they think can be corroborated by other sources. So, look, I think we have to just as as. You know, the facts need to, to push us forwards, but I wouldn't, um, you know, rule out uh, some more uh, surprises coming uh, before or, or after Inauguration Day. And certainly in policy terms, uh, it is concerning that, that Trump is so 
uh, I think, keen to try and build this relationship with Putin because on the facts, look, he's been getting his briefings now, on the facts, the raison d'etre for that rapprochement is cooperation against ISIS. And, and the Russians, functionally, I write about this at NR today, uh, you know, have not had any interest in really attacking ISIS at all. And that, that's kind of easy to see. I mean, they can give him targeting data. And on the issue of sanctions against Russia, this is one of the major sticking points that's come up already in the course of, of this confirmation hearing. And they're asking him about this. And, and he was CEO of Exxon. And he keeps saying, to my knowledge, we never we never oppose sanctions on Russia. Uh, isn't that something I feel like that you'd know as the CEO? I don't think that's an I, I don't recall kind of situation. I think that's a you would know. Yeah, situation, I think. Right? Yeah, so you have your intelligence ears up. Look, I, in legal terms as well, right? That, that is very obvious. Um, hey, Mr. You know, very high-profile attorney who has been with me for a while, what do I say here? Because this is, could get concerning. That, you're right. If he wants to put that away, he can be definitive. Um, clearly, I think there is some past story there. Uh, that, that, you know, that's, that's a secondary point to, to the potential liability Trump has on this Russia issue. Um, and again, I actually think that is something um, Tillerson, you know, the Trump stuff may, as John said, as, as you said, maybe we never know, maybe it's murky, it's the wilderness of mirrors, and, and we move on, and, or, or at least we, we sort of compartment it. But I think on Tillerson, I think on this stuff with ExxonMobil, um, you know, this is stuff that will be to some degree provable either way. Uh, because of how major corporations uh, like Exxon operate and the necessity, even when they're trying to be a little bit more sort of shadow world, the necessity, the bureaucracy, they can't really escape it, right? There are too many people, there are too many documents, and at some point it ultimately comes out. So I, I think, yes, you're, you're right. He is hedging there in a way that um, should perk our ears to possibilities beyond the public eye. I do like that when he's asked about climate change, he says that this can't, Climate change can't be used as a means of putting the U.S. at a competitive disadvantage vis-a-vis other countries. Uh, I, I, so I, I'm with him on that. I mean, I guess if anybody's going to stand up to the climate change hysteria, it'll be a former CEO of an oil company. But uh, on this and also on TPP, he says he disagrees with Trump. He likes TPP. So you got him on the one hand just making me excited because he's not being uh, browbeaten and pushed into a corner on climate change. And also breaking with Trump on TPP and, and some of the economic policies that Trump has said he wants to push. So I think that's those are on the in the positive column. I think absolutely. And look, one of the interesting things here is that you have in Trump someone who, you know, some people would say, look, he's making these comments uh, about Russia, uh, that he gets very upset if people criticize him. But in defense and at state, he has clearly appointed in the form of um, Tillerson, at least on that trade issue, um, and it matters at uh, defense on the Russia issue, people who quite openly disagree with him. And I think the interesting thing as well is that, you know, on that um, climate issue, this is something that Trump can own because it is something quite tangible that if they removed some of the regulatory burdens uh, on, for example, allowing energy companies to invest in short order instead of the Dakota pipeline, if people Google Tom Rogan, Dakota Pipeline. I went into great detail about the just sick hypocrisy from the left there and how it destroys jobs. Uh, but, but look, you know, President Obama's climate accord with China uh, is celebrated by the left. 
But it is the climate change counterpoint to that ludicrous deal he signed with Xi Jinping that they wouldn't cyber spy on each other. And of course, the Chinese just completely ignored it. Um, the Chinese have agreed on climate change. This is the fact that at 2030, you know, they will um, try and take efforts to reduce emissions. And you know, unless you have binding stuff with these nations, with their very different political structures, you know, their power is an end unto itself. They're not going to do any of this. So you're right. It is stupid to, you know, it, it, playing Russian roulette with one person, is it, which essentially has been President Obama's uh, climate policy, doesn't make any sense, even if you believe that climate change is a serious concern. I also think it's somewhat unfair, the line that's getting out there in different versions, but uh, what's his, uh, Menendez, Senator Menendez, did a, said something along these lines of, well, you know, doing deals is different from doing diplomacy. Well, yeah, the guy was in the private sector. That shouldn't be uh, a considered a, a disqualifier or a disadvantage. Uh, I know because I worked for the federal government, a lot of mediocrity in government. In fact, it's the primary. If you're looking for the primary characteristic of uh, federal bureaucrats, it is it is sort of the, the, the lump in middle in terms of uh, ability. I mean, there, there's a lot of. Uh, time and grade and slow things down and you know who's good well it doesn't really matter just show up uh don't, I think don't it's, rock the boat some, yeah look and that? i think that is good sorry no i was saying don't you know the idea that you don't rock yeah the don't boat rock the boat, boat. Uh, uh, ambition is punished idea, i always tell people that yeah. ambition you know in the in, in, the, in, in the civil service and articulated and the the alternate is true in the private sector because that's there's a sustaining profit incentive, um, both for individuals at the junior end and, and the top end, at least in the best companies. So I think look, for me, uh, Tillerson's business background uh, is good with the one caveat. It's positive for state, which is a bureaucracy that always needs reform and vigorous reform. And actually, foreign service officers who tend to be liberal uh, would wholly agree with that. And the, the only caveat I, I say is that, you know, what it, does ExxonMobil have any um, countermanding interests that would not be, for example, good for a secretary of state trying to push a tougher line on Iran, for example? So we shall see. But on paper, look, I think Tillerson today, there are these divergences. Clearly, Tillerson can't openly say, I think my boss is an idiot on Russia. Um, I don't think he thinks that, to be fair to him. But I, I, look, I think it's not unfair to say that the Republicans who criticized Tillerson today or challenged him and Tillerson in his responses uh, both have things that we can you know, take as positives. And that the actual, again here, if we link this to some of the concerns people have about Trump, today was a good example of the American system of government in its exceptional nature, that the legislature and the executive balancing each other out and finding uh, at least you know, a, a greater ability to give the public uh, knowledge and awareness on issue. I also thought this was it was interesting to see that there were those who were pushing the line that, oh, no, Trump is pulling all these senior diplomats out of senior diplomats out of the State Department, all these people, all these ambassadors. And, and, and that was part of the, oh, anything Trump does is bad. I have to laugh. Anyone who knows anything about the State, State Department is aware of the fact that lots of ambassadors are big donors, are just politically connected, know nothing about the countries they're in, really, or nothing really substantive, at least before they take the job, don't have a foreign service background, per se, and the deputy chief of mission is often the career civil servant who has been in the State Department for decades, who's really running things. 
uh, and that this was it was all going to be okay. I mean, initially, oh, Trump is pulling all the diplomats out. What's going on here? A lot of these people basically bought the position, and they don't really know anything. Right. I used to occasionally, yeah, go ahead. No, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're 100 percent right. I, I had a piece of opportunity lives on this about I think, three weeks ago. You know, people can Google Tom Rogan cronyism Trump, and I was saying, look, Trump. Trump, uh, functionally, he should get rid of them, all of those political positions and, and put in uh, talented uh, foreign service officers who have been willing to, you know, buck the bureaucracy and be creative uh, and proven themselves. And because the best State Department officers, as you know, with the best CIA officers, uh, have the reputation of being very skillful. They get promoted and they get kept on. Uh, not because the bosses like them. On the contrary, the bosses don't like them for shaking the bureaucracy, uh, but but they're just too good to get rid of. And and so those are the kind of people that I think Trump uh, should promote. But yes, I mean, it, it is ridiculous, the, the idea that somehow these Obama appointees, the man who was going to change Washington, President Obama doubled down on that uh, patronage system. I just hope that uh, – well, I hoped that Trump would actually move away from that system and, and you know, into to a better one. Yeah, I, I would agree. I don't think it should be considered normal, and it, and it has been up to this point. So I can't cast blame on any one administration that if you donate a lot of money, you get a senior, you, you can be a appointed senior ambassador to whatever, or not senior ambassador, the most senior State Department position in the country to, yeah, okay. I mean, we're not the Bahamas. We're not going to invade it anytime soon, and there's not really a whole lot of foreign policy you have to worry about there, other than we hope that the resorts stay open, but. Other places, even they have this, and I think that it's it sets a bad uh, it, it sends a bad message that we have this sort of patronage system in place. But I thought it was funny. Oh my gosh, Trump is doing this, and then uh, you know the left wing writers and all the websites realized almost in unison. Oh wait a second, everybody does this. This is normal. So the the Trump scare continues. Tom, uh, where's your latest up on National Review today? You know, it, it, it's it's just it's one of those things where you just see the the hypocrisy coming forth, and you understand, you know, why uh, Trump supporters um, are so skeptical. But but look, the the problem. Wait, is Trump, well, I, I got to just get your. Where's your latest piece, Tom? Because we were going to a hard break here. Oh, okay. National Review uh, today. National Review and Opportunity Lives. If you just go on either of the homepages, you'll see it. And um, uh, NR is on Russia and Trump, which is I think is quite objective and. Opportunity lives on Obamacare repeal. All right. High five. You're the man. Thanks, Tom. Great to have Tom Rogan on. Team, we'll be right back. This is the Buck Sexton Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Hey, team, uh, go to Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. We did a Facebook Live yesterday. You can check out the video and uh, the questions and the answers I could give in the time allotted. We'll do more of that in this coming Tuesday. Uh, also, tomorrow morning, set your DVR, or if you're up, turn on your TV, 6.30 a.m. Eastern. So I guess that's 3.30 a.m. Pacific. Uh, I'll be on Maria Bartiromo's show on Fox Business, talking about Trump and Russia and all the rest of it. Uh, oh, my. And I should be back on Fox Business again on Monday. So I, I, I will give you more details about that as I have it. Might even be on a couple of times. So there's lots of stuff going on, team. Uh, 
let me know what you think about today's show. You can go at Buck Sexton on Twitter, or like I said, Facebook's always a good place to go. And uh, tell me what you want to do this Freestyle Friday. Looking for ideas for that always. Thank you for hanging out with me today. Best part of my day, as always, is chilling out with Team Buck in the Freedom Hut. I'm going to get back to reading and prepping for tomorrow's show. Shields High. Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.